0: Hello, welcome to Book Chat. I'm Carl Heliker and joining us today is Dr. Michael Hagan from Temple University and he's going to be discussing his book, The 2000 Presidential Election and the Foundations of Party Politics. And of course, Michael, we're not going to let you get out of here without uh, discussing something about the 2004 election. Sure. Uh, Welcome to Book Chat. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you very much. And uh, Michael, why don't you tell us about that? You have a new position that was created at Temple University.
1: Well, and part of it's been uh, newly created. That's right. I'm uh, an associate Professor in the political science department, but I'm also uh, director of a new uh, research institute there called the Institute for Public Affairs, um, which is designed to uh, create some infrastructure for people doing research on public policy related matters in the social sciences and across the university. So and, it's a very exciting opportunity actually to build a new organization there.
0: And, and you'll be polling not just for the presidential elections too, is that right? You are telling me?
1: Well, uh, just a part of this uh, operation is polling. The Institute for Survey Research there at Temple is part of uh, the Institute for Public Affairs. And so um, we've formed a partnership with um, the Philadelphia Inquirer to do some polling. We did during the uh, presidential election and we hope to continue to do so in the years to come.
0: Nicely, I know you're already off to a good start because as I mentioned your name and the name of the Institute keeps cropping up in the inquiries it has all through the election events.
1: Well, it pays to be in a battleground state. People right. pay attention.
0: Right, uh, they certainly do. Uh, now you mentioned you're a pollster. I mean, sometimes I think pollsters uh, are, are mentioned in the same breath as lawyers. I mean- uh,
1: <laughs> Lawyers and used car sales. Right. Yes.
0: What exactly does a pollster do and what are some of the challenges facing pollsters currently?
1: Well, uh, Different pollsters do different things. I think of myself as not only a pollster, but uh, a political scientist who studies elections using surveys. Um, One aspect of what we do is uh, try to anticipate the outcomes of elections, but from my point of view, that's a pretty minor aspect of what we do. We we look into what sorts of things are on people's minds, what sorts of things people uh, are influenced by in deciding their votes. And uh, and uh, what their preferences are on matters of public policy. So that's what we tried to accomplish uh, with our pre-election polls. Um, pollsters face a lot of challenges right now. Um, there, uh, first of all, is is a declining willingness to uh, to cooperate with pollsters among people whom we call for a whole variety of reasons. Um, uh, one of those is that people think that. Um, The do not call lists that have been uh, constructed by the state and by the federal government ought to apply to pollsters, or they they wonder when pollsters call whether in fact pollsters are allowed to call, and in fact they are, as long as we're not trying to sell people anything and we're not trying to sell people anything. Um, So that's one source of of, uh, complications for us. Another is cell phones. people who have cell phones, but still maintain a landline at their house are no problem for us. We can reach them on their landline and, and talk to talk to them that way. Um, what's of most concern to pollsters is people who have only a cell phone because for a variety of reasons, we're not uh, allowed to call cell phones, not least because under certain certain circumstances, it costs people we are calling money for them to talk to us. So we're not allowed to call them. Um, if that was just a random chunk of the population who had only cell phones, That wouldn't worry us too much, but it's not. Particular kinds of people have cell phones only. In particular, these days, it's young people, uh, people who are residentially mobile. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2004, that didn't prove to be too much of a problem in uh, forecasting election outcomes. We actually did reasonably well uh, as an industry. Um, In 2008, it's gonna be a different story. In 2004, the estimates are somewhere between 5 and 9 percent of the national population have a, only a cell phone. By 2008, it's going to be 25 to 30 percent, and that's a big that's a big chunk of the population won't we'll miss.
0: Is there any way that can be compensated uh, by polling people through email? Is that a possibility? Email
1: and the internet uh, are, are certainly approaches that people are exploring. Of course, it's not a random sample of the population that has access to the internet either. Uh, libraries certainly are doing their part to reach out to uh, provide access to uh, people who don't have computers at home and so forth. But we still know that it's not uh, entirely, that there is a digital divide, that, that uh, mm-hmm. certain kinds of people are on the side of the divide where they don't have access, and we wouldn't be able to reach them that way.
0: Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the book now. Sure. Uh, you talk about the 2000 election, at least from a pollster's view, being broken down into three phases. Can you tell us a little bit about those phases?
1: Sure. Um, there are three fa- phases from the moment that we start uh, discussing the, the uh, campaign. There are actually four phases if you go back farther, um, and that is to the convention period during which, well, going back even farther to provide a little background, um, from the moment in 2000 that the um, uh, Governor Bush at that point and, uh, and Vice President Gore were decided upon as their, uh, in effect, decided upon by the primaries as their party's nominees. Uh, uh, Bush had a pretty substantial lead in the national polls. That, need, that lead uh, diminished as, as the campaign wore on, as the summer went on, mm-hmm. uh, partly because that's what always happens, uh, partly because the uh, Bush campaign uh, spent a lot of money advertising during that period. Um, Then we entered the convention phase. Uh, uh, Mr. Bush got a substantial bounce out of the Republican convention, which was first in 2000, as would be expected. Uh, And Then uh, Vice President Gore got uh, a a substantial bounce out of the Democratic convention. In fact, a big enough bounce that coming out of the Democratic convention in early September, uh, the Vice President was ahead in the national polls, not by a wide margin, but by a, a substantial margin. Um, the vice president's lead uh, eroded pretty dramatically late in September going into the presidential debates and through the debate period in 2000 in October um, the candidates were pretty much tied although the, uh, Mr. Bush uh, edged ahead by the by the end of the third debate and then we entered in the, into the final phase of the campaign during which uh, Gore actually rebounded a little bit, narrowed the gap, and we wound up with uh, virtually a dead heat, with, with uh, Gore winning the popular vote by a very, very tiny fraction.
0: Very good. Thank you. Uh, interesting comment in your book. You say that Gore won the popular vote in the battle for network news, while Bush won the Electoral, electoral College in battle for ads. Can you tell us exactly what that means?
1: Well, the Electoral College, um, let me back up a little bit. The nature of presidential campaigning in presidential campaigns has, has changed somewhat in uh, the last, even in the last 12 years. Uh, uh, the presidential campaigns are not mounted on a national basis anymore. As recently as 1992 and 1996, a big share of the money that was spent on advertising by the presidential campaigns and their associated national committees was spent on network ads, ads that were seen all over the country. The technology of buying advertising has changed and become more uh, sophisticated uh, in the past 10 years, uh, okay. allowing um, the presidential campaigns to buy their advertising in specific states now. Well, advertising, as I was saying, advertising is, is much more narrowly focused these days than it used to be. So. Um, Uh, it's only a a, a fraction of the American population that sees television advertising in the presidential campaign. So it's possible for us, in a a sense it's like a a national experiment in the impact of advertising. We have a chunk of states that see it and a chunk of states that don't. So uh, the virtue of this from the point of view of a social scientist is that we can assess the impact of the ads by comparing the votes of people in states that saw the ads and the votes of of the people in the states that didn't. Everybody, of course, saw the network news, or at least had an opportunity to see the network news. And um, what we found by uh, making those comparisons is that, uh, and by assessing uh, news coverage and advertising, is that um, the Gore campaign was able to control the agenda to some degree on the network news and able to get relatively favorable coverage. Through the course of the campaign, they got, uh, on average, more favorable coverage than the Bush campaign did. But the Bush campaign, on the other hand, had more resources to invest in in advertising, and they did focus them very narrowly on those states where they had a good chance of making a difference, in those states where the uh, the vote was likely to be close. So the Gore campaign uh, managed to pile up big majorities in some big states, California and New York, um, uh, most importantly, uh, enough to win the popular vote, but the Bush campaign was able to eke out victories in some other states, some of which were pretty big, and obviously the most uh, conspicuous of them was Florida, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to the extent that they were able to win the electoral college.
0: Right. Interesting. Now, of course, going back to the last election, we still, even some years past, we're still familiar with the uh, stories of uh, Bill Clinton's character lapses. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. But you talk about in the 2000, in, 2000 election that uh, Gore had some character issues of his own that he had to deal with. And what were these issues and how did they affect the outcome of the election?
1: Well, the, um, the Bush campaign uh, made a big a centerpiece of its advertising campaign and of the president's or of the governor's at that point, uh, the governor's uh, stump speech, um, Gore's tendency to exaggerate. The implication being that Gore was not trustworthy, that was not being honest in uh, his responses to questions and in what he was uh, proposing. Uh, Gore played into this by in fact exaggerating or making mistakes uh, uh, in the debates. Uh, uh, There was an occasion in which he talked about a girl who was in a a, a class at school where she had to stand up all the time. Well, it turned out she had to stand up for a day, but after a day she got a desk and she was able to sit down. uh Gore talked about having visited uh flood ravaged uh, areas with the director of the Federal Emergency Management uh, Association I I've got the title incorrect but FEMA is the right. acronym um it wasn't the director he went with it was some lower level uh, executive at FEMA not big things but they sort of confirmed the Bush advertising and uh and and the Bush. Attack in general on Gore's character in general and on his um, honesty in particular. So um, uh, there was a certain correspondence between what Gore was doing and what mm-hmm. the Bush people were saying he was doing.
0: Right, and of course that uh, alleged comment about uh, Gore inventing the internet, which well, which that was said. Yeah, that's I
1: mean, right. That was the, that was the background to the whole thing. Right. One of the earliest Bush ads made a lot of that. That's right. right. Uh,
0: now you also say that the Democrats had a small advantage in party identification while the Republicans offset it by ideological identification of its members. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what that is?
1: Well, um, Democrats outnumber Republicans in the United States, not by a wide margin, but by by a small margin now. Um, uh, On the other hand, conservatives outnumber liberals. Um, Those labels are not so much summaries of where people stand on uh, political issues in fact on depending on how you define the uh, the range of issues on on uh, issues on average people tend to agree tend to adopt themselves uh, the liberal side rather than the conservative side nonetheless the label conservative is a good deal more popular than the label uh, liberal and of course the label label moderate is even more um, even more popular than either of those two so the, so to the extent that uh, Republican, candidates can label Democratic candidates liberal to that extent they they enjoy an advantage.
0: Interesting. Um, How important were the debates in the 2000 election and did the 2004 debates have more impact on the recent election than the ones in 2000?
1: I think the 2004 debates were probably even more important. Yeah, in 2000 uh, the the debates were important. Uh, There were the issues, well, first of all, the first debate established that uh, President Bush, uh, candidate Bush, could stand uh, next to the Vice President of the United States and debate him Um, toe-to-toe. Some people will recall some of the sounds that uh, that uh, Vice President Gore made in response to questions and in response to some of Bush 's answers, my own memory is somewhat uh, my own memory of the debate itself is somewhat confused with the Saturday Night Live rendition <laughs> of the debate, which captured I think quite accurately what was going on. Um, uh, those things were important, and as I just was mentioning actually some of the comments that uh, that Gore made actually got uh, a good deal of play in the press after the debates, and those were important as well. In 2004, I think the debates were even more important. Um, uh, They gave Senator Kerry uh, uh, an opportunity to show that he could stand with the President of the the United States in this case and uh, debate toe-to-toe. And uh, we saw in the polls that uh, nationwide and here in Pennsylvania, uh, uh, Senator Kerry actually uh, was widely perceived as the winner of the debates and uh, and gained a good deal in the polls, at least temporarily, as a result.
0: It's interesting, you know, because we, we go back to the, I guess, what's considered, at least in modern times, the seminal debate of Kennedy and Nixon, and, of course, Kennedy is credited by those who watched the program to see uh, of winning the debate. And then we had uh, Reagan, who was a masterful debater in uh, 1980, um, decisively out-debating Jimmy Carter. But are there any studies that delve, is there really a correlation between with perceived winners of debates and the actual outcome of the election do we know anything about that specifically
1: well the the, the main finding that uh, that social scientists have come up with, with with respect to debates is that they tend to reinforce pre-existing orientations so people by and large tend to think that the person they favored before the debates was the winner and the people uh, and people on the other side perceive the other candidate to have been the winner now there are some differences and as I say in the case of 2004 Kerry I think enjoyed some benefits from the debates, I don't think we have a good explanation for why uh, Bush was able to uh, come back following the debates. I don't know yet. Uh, We don't have the the data in hand to uh, decide whether there was some sort of, uh, uh, it was just some sort of temporary uh, appeal that Kerry was able to make or whether the Bush campaign actually succeeded in in, uh, countering some of what Kerry had done. Uh,
0: Now you claim that the 2000 election was a struggle for the center. What do you mean by this and, and is this sort of the opposite of what happened in 2004 where Bush uh, won more votes by expanding his existing conservative Christian base?
1: Well, every presidential election is to some degree a struggle for the center. Um, both candidates are forced, um, at least to the extent they face opposition during the nomination phase of the campaign, both candidates are forced to um, tack toward the extremes of their party in order to win the Democratic nomination, uh, a candidate has to be a good deal more liberal than he wants to be in the uh, presidential, in the general election. Mm-hmm. And uh, likewise, a Republican candidate uh, has to appeal more uh, explicitly to conservatives to win the nomination than he wants to in the uh, in the general election. Um, both of these elections, the 2000 and the 2004 election, were extraordinarily partisan elections. Sometimes we forget, uh, by virtue of of what happened on September 11th, 2001, uh, what the situation was coming out of the 2000 election. It was already, that election was being described as being one that, in which partisanship was supreme, in which. Uh, people were uh, severely divided, and Republicans were deeply de- devoted to their candidate. Democrats deeply devoted to theirs. Um, uh, to some degree, uh, we found ourselves right back in that situation by 2004, with the intervening years being the um, the, uh, the exceptions during which there was a, there was at least for a time a good deal of uh, uh, universality to to the president's appeal. Um, uh, once again, in 2004, Democrats were deeply devoted to their candidate, or at least deeply hostile to the opposing candidate, and uh, and Republicans were devoted to theirs. Um, so the, and, and the divisions in the country are such that um, uh, in many states, Pennsylvania is certainly one of them, uh, appealing to the base and mobilizing one's supporters turned out to be absolutely critical. So, um, well, it's true that both candidates tried to play to the center during the general election campaign. This this campaign, the two thousand and four campaign, was not so much about persuading uh, people of different differing minds to come to one's cause as it was about exciting one's own supporters to the extent that they actually showed up on election day.
0: Interesting. Uh, now. Let's take a look at the economy, which is always a big issue. Mm-hmm. Now, was the economy, do you think, a less of a factor in the 2004 election compared to four years ago? And uh, did the public view the economy as bleakly as Kerry portrayed it?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it's actually it's a complicated question. Um, one of the uh, difficulties that Vice President Gore faced in 2000 was... He he couldn't talk as much about the the state of the economy as he wanted to, at least early in the campaign when the economy was still uh, bubbling along very strong. Uh, Because to the extent he did, he brought President Clinton into the forefront of the campaign, the foreground of the campaign. And uh, he didn't want to do that because of uh, President Clinton's uh, personal unpopularity with with large fractions of the American public. Um, So the the economy was probably not as big a factor in 2000 as the Vice President would in the end have liked it to be. Um, in 2004, of course, uh, the economy was to some degree overshadowed by terrorism and by the war in Iraq. Although uh, in the polling that uh, we did at Temple with uh, the Inquirer, we found that people's reactions to terrorism and to the war were very heavily covered by, uh, colored by their um, preexisting Partisan orientations. So Democrats were uh, uh, deeply antagonistic to, to the war in Iraq and um, uh, were unhappy about the way the president had prosecuted the war on terror. Republicans were enthusiastic in their support of the president's um, uh, approach to terror and were very supportive of, of the president's actions in Iraq. So the war on terror and and the, the war in Iraq um, were perhaps not as important in my view as some people have made them out to be. I think the economy probably was pretty important in the end.
0: Interesting. Now, of course, we know from your book that the character issue was a big uh, factor in the two thousand election. But how about in two thousand and four? What what role did the character play?
1: Well, the Bush campaign tried to make it an important issue again. Uh, as they did in two thousand, although with a slightly different spin. In two thousand, the issue was Vice President Gore's integrity and his honesty. Uh, in two thousand four, the the issue was uh, uh, Senator Kerry's consistency and his and his forthrightness in explaining what uh, what he would do uh, when he came to office. And I think uh, that the evidence, though it's still scanty, the evidence is that uh, that the Bush campaign was quite successful in in. Um, causing people to question Kerry's consistency.
0: Interesting. Uh, What lesson should each party take from the 2004 election? I guess the Democrats have to look at this more carefully than the Republicans, but where does each party go from here?
1: Well, I'm not sure they do have to look at it more carefully than the Republicans. Actually, the Republicans have to look at it pretty carefully too, because the Republicans are in charge of the federal government for the next four years, controlling uh, both branches. Uh, both the executive and and uh, both houses of Congress um, uh, and no doubt with several appointments to the Supreme Court uh, looming um, the Republicans have to be uh, judicious in their in their selection of issues to put forth and in their choice of uh, uh, of Supreme Court nominees and what and and, and which policies they want to pursue, because uh, it's, a, it's a difficult time in American politics. I think bringing people back together after a, a divisive uh, presidential campaign is, is no easy task.
0: And how about the Democrats? Where do they go from here?
1: Well, the Democrats have to figure out, <laughs> one of the things the Democrats have to do is figure out how to talk about religion. My feeling is that uh, Senator Kerry was at his worst in the debates and elsewhere when he was asked questions about, uh, about religion and about morality. And uh, I think that's one of the things that set him apart uh, from, for example, uh, uh, Bill Clinton, who could talk about religion uh, quite comfortably. It, it, it always seemed to me that uh, Senator Kerry was not comfortable talking about those issues. And I think uh, a Democratic presidential candidate needs to know how to talk about those issues in ways that resonate with people, in ways that, don't, that aren't off-putting, mm-hmm. uh, that don't make people feel that somehow he doesn't understand what, uh, what motivates them.
0: Well, interesting and certainly a lot for uh, both parties to think about. Dr. Michael Hagan, thank you so much for joining us today on Book Chat.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: My pleasure. The book is The 2000 Presidential Election and the Foundations of Party Politics, written by Michael Hagan, Richard Johnson, and Kathleen Hall Jamison. I'm Carl Heliker, and this is Book Chat. Mm